This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. Picking up where we left off in regards to stewarding faithfully, let's let's shift the gears to heralding fearlessly. Remember the the I guess the what of preaching is that we are to herald, and the how is to do it fearlessly. There there's not to be a, a speck of cowardice in us. The cowardice will have his part in the lake of fire. So if you're going to stand up for the Lord, you got to say what He has to say and uh, allow Him to say that through you, through His Word. And in terms of heralding, the Bible shows that the herald speaks with the authority of the sender. Now, this sense of authority does not create feelings of pride, of self-exaltation. It provokes the preacher to fear the Lord and tremble at His Word. So as a result of fearing God, there is a lack of trembling toward uh, man, See, a, fearless, a fearlessness that causes the herald to speak up instead of holding back and uh, being silent. So in Isaiah 58, uh, verse 1, for example, uh, notice how there's a call for uh, maybe, maybe fearlessness and urgency in this proclamation. Isaiah 58, 1, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. And catch that interplay there. Crying aloud, lifting up your voice, and declaring are all ways of saying, okay, speak with urgency, speak with authority. So the idea of fearlessness comes across in the call, you know, do not hold back. Heralds must not shrink back in fear of man, even though they are confronting men with with transgression and sin. Jesus' instruction to his disciples uh, is similar in that they they were to, in, in the first century, take what he says and make it public without shrinking back uh, with fear. Uh, we're to do the same thing, Matthew 10, 26, 27, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. The fear of men must be entirely absent from heralding, so have no fear of them. So this fearless attitude should empower the herald's proclamation. They must not draw back. You and I cannot draw back when we stand up week in and week out in the pulpit, tooth and nail through this through this work. We cannot draw back into a fearful whisper. We, we have to stand up with a, with a fearless shout because heralding, uh, heralding here is the very antithesis of whispering. So the the logic of Matthew 10 also pushes us into the realm uh, of our next category. But before we go there in encountering God in a reverent way, I want you to think about this. When you think about heralding God and, and doing so fearlessly, um, that does not mean that you speak and you speak whatever is on your on your mind and on your mouth and on your tongue and in your heart and in your emotions without a sense of tact, okay? The person who could do that was our Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus knew perfectly how to answer every single person, and he knew their heart, which you and I do not. This past Sunday, I preached on uh, that we as Christians are to be everyday counselors, First Thessalonians 5, 14. Uh, encourage um, or admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, uh, lift up these people that are weary. You know, that's the idea. Uh, and to be patient with them all, he says at the end of the verse. So the idea of patience is 
You don't come at them full strength, full speed of head, regardless of what they've went through. Forsake compassion, forsake empathy, and just blast them with truth. And do so in a way that would that would tear them down. Some people don't need to be torn down. Some people need to be lifted up. That's true. There is sin in people's lives, and there is sin that haunts people's lives, and there is sin that destroys people's lives. That's ongoing. That's there. But that's not every single person. You know what I have found out in, in my minimal time of ministry, uh, 12 years full-time, 37 years of age now, what I have come to find out is the folks who often uh, cry the loudest about other people's sins are actually folks who uh, they they have their own set of personal sin that they can't forgive themselves over. And that's what I've come to find out. They they point the finger because they feel guilty about things that they've done, and it makes them feel better, and it makes them feel like that they're not alone. If they if they can magnify a person's sins, uh, that makes theirs look more minimal, so they feel. And so that's that's a dilemma. We we don't want to get into that. That's a problem, and it's it's sinful to do that. It's sinful to tear a person down in order to magnify yourself, or to tear a person down in their sin so that you'll minimize your own personal sin. Listen, if you have sin in your life, if you've got anger, if you've got issues, if you've got trauma, you've got grief, whatever it is, listen, seek your help, seek your counsel, go go and go and do your self-work. Listen, at 37 years old, there's nothing more um, unattractive, there's nothing more uh, detestable than a person who has not done self-work, who have been through something, who have grieved through something. They they need work, and they, they need it done rightly, Okay. And our and our job is for those of us that are standing alongside them, not to forsake them, but to stand alongside um, and and be patient with them as they're going through this. And then there's some people that you can't help. There's some people that they're not willing to do what they need to do. They're not willing to do the self-work. They're not willing to put the work in to heal from their wounds. And so the, these type of people are people that can hurt you, and they can hurt the work of the church, and they can they can serve as elders, they can serve as deacons, and they mask everything until it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty, and then they blast you for your sin. And they've been waiting for this opportunity. There are some people who, who will herald fearlessly uh, for self-gain. It happened in, in the first century. Paul talked about this. He said, listen, there's people who do this for dishonest gain. They do this to build themselves up. They, they do this to make themselves feel better. X, Y, Z. There's a whole list of people and why they preach the gospel. And, and that list is long. And, and he says, you know what? But, but here's what I'm thankful for. Even though there's people out there doing a, a – they're, they're intending to preach the gospel with vain reasons or empty reasons or sinful reasons – and he says, I'm just glad the gospel is getting out. <laughs> so even Paul shifts our eyes. Is it a truth that some people do it for vainglory? Yes, it is. It is true. Uh, but our but our focus is on Jesus. Hebrews 3 and verse 1, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus and consider Jesus. Look to Jesus when things are bad. And especially in regards to heralding fearlessly. So let's let's kick up kick up the gears a little bit and go ahead and go on into encountering God reverently because this this ties together. In Matthew 10, 26 and 27, this, this speaks forcefully about the absence of fear. Matthew 10, 28 completes this, this picture uh, by focusing on the need for fear. So ministers of the word should be fearless toward man, but reverent toward God. Jesus does not pull any punches uh, concerning what harm men can do. He says they can kill the body. 
They can kill the body. Uh, they can fire you. Uh, they can they can put your name in the mud. They can do that. But that does not warrant fear because they cannot touch the soul. So what does Jesus say? We should fear God alone because only God can fully destroy both body and soul in hell, verse 28. So all stewarding and all heralding should take place in the context of the fear of the Lord. Fearing the Lord should cause faithful stewardship and, and, and fearlessness uh, and heralding the gospel. Why? Because you, if you fear God, if you fear the Lord, you need not fear anything or anyone else. Saul, what is what what is it that you have done? Why did you hold back and you you did not uh, you did not obey the commandment of the Lord? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did. We went in and we utterly destroyed every single thing. Okay, well, to my ears, I hear the bleeding of the sheep. What's that about? Well, you see, they wanted to do this and they wanted to do that, and I was afraid of them, and so therefore I submitted to this, and we've kept the good, and we're going to give this to the Lord. Okay, so you feared man. Yes, okay. Well, I, I'm going to have you, uh, uh, the Lord is going to have you removed from your office because this office is supposed to be occupied by a person who consistently fears the Lord and not human beings and what they think and what this makes you look like, okay? There's people who preach, and, and you and I know this. They they bring God to the table, but they do so irreverently. Uh, they, they bring God uh, to attention. They bring his name before the people, or they do something in the name of God without God's approval. Fearing the Lord, as I said, uh, should cause faithful stewards to f faithfully and fearlessly herald uh, the truth. You know, if you if you fear God, you need not fear anything else. Others, uh, there's other texts that testify to this importance, uh, uh, really, of the ethos, uh, the ethics, uh, or maybe even the atmosphere in, in which we carry out our stewarding. And our heralding. Remember, we're trying to represent God fully. We're trying to do something in such a way uh, to be good stewards of the gospel. To we're we're to do so without fear of what people think, and we're to do so to for the purpose of arranging an encounter with God um, through this preached word. And so we want to faithfully represent the Lord in the text that we're actually preaching. Um, you know, look at look at God. Um, God judges Moses for his failure in, in this very regard. Notice in Numbers uh, 27, between rebelling against the word of God and failing to honor God as holy in the eyes of the people. He says in 27, 12 through 14, the Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain of, of Abram, Abarim, and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of, of Zin uh, when uh, when the congregation quarreled. He said, you, you failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. Now, these are the waters of Meribah, of Kadesh, if you remember, in the wilderness of, of, of Zin. Uh, or Zion, or whichever, however you pronounce it. But that's in chapter 27, 12 through 14. So you rebelled against my word in failing to uphold me as holy. That's the picture of Numbers 27. So reverent stewarding, reverent heralding, these these are three categories, and, and they are sequential from, from, from the vantage point of the hearer, the minister of the word. Listen, fellas, the minister of the word, and ladies too when you're preaching to women, Minister of the word must steward and then herald the word 
and then the people should respond with reverent obedience. So from the vantage point of the preacher, the order is different. The preacher knows that reverence must mark every single stage of ministry of the word. The minister must start with a reverent fear of God, and this reverent fear in, in, engenders an aptitude to, to tremble in his word. Isaiah 66 and 2, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That trembling should define both his stewarding and his heralding. The fear of the Lord should put a peculiar stamp on the ministry of the word. Now, the people should know that the word of God is coming from a man who has met God. Once the word is passed to the audience, the cycle of stewardship begins in the lives of the hearers. They now have a call to handle the word faithfully, fearlessly, and reverently. So as we, we conclude the thoughts of the how of preaching, um, we, we've talked about the thesis of preaching, and we, we've we've begun to show the, the link between the what and the how of the ministry of the word. And so this coming week, we're going to get into a couple episodes, and we're going to expand uh, upon you know, a really important point for this particular study. The Bible is not a textbook on preaching. The Bible is a story in some senses of the words. So for the next, for the next several episodes, we're going to develop this, this theme further. We're going to look uh, next episode and, and maybe one or two after that at the link between the structure of Scripture and the story of Scripture. And we're going to look at how we examine uh, the part uh, the part that the Word plays in the story that it tells. And then uh, a little bit later, we're going to introduce um, the stewardship paradigm shift in Scripture. And, and all of these things are going to be Scripture-based, uh, and we're going to, we're going to dive into those in a, in a deeper way. But but today, you know, as we kind of close on on this on the how of preaching, uh, faithfully, fearlessly, and reverently, um, faithfully, fearlessly, and reverently, the what of preaching is stewarding, heralding in such a way uh, that people encounter God through what we're doing, and we do so. We steward faithfully. We herald fearlessly. And we encounter reverently, and they as hearers are to encounter reverently. May God bless us in that stewardship, in that heralding, and in that encountering for all ages to come.